Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So to start off with, uh, I just briefly wanted to call out something that was a very uh, a significant insofar as we people we would like big round numbers. But um, this last week, you published, uh, well, you, John, and Casey published uh, at the Accidental Podcast episode number 300, um, which, A, I wanted to congratulate you on because that is just a lot of talking. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Yes, it was. <laughs> but but I think honestly, moreover, and I think this is the thing that I like, there's like a mini topic here that I wanted to touch on is it is a lot of showing up. It is a tremendous amount of just sticking with something, um, going through all manner of seasons in terms of, you know, your, your various personal lives in terms of the podcasting industry, um, like weathering a lot of different things. And I think there is something just noteworthy about sticking with something for that long. Um, that is, there's just an important lesson in that. And I think it applies very strongly to the kind of things we do. We often discuss here where, you know, the publish, you know, being a independent producer of anything, whether that is a podcast or an application or, um, a blog or whatever that might be, that is something that is inevitably going to go through many seasons. And I mean, I've having kind of known you for essentially the whole run of, um, of ATP, it's knowing that, you know, that show has gone, you know, goes through seasons. It goes through periods where, um, you know, like listenership is up and everything's great. And sometimes things slow down or they, like it comes and goes and just showing up every, you know, every week to do that is kind of just an, is an impressive accomplishment. And I think a good reminder, I mean, it's kind of fun. Um, just, I just love the numeric, like the numeracy of, um, you just hit 300 on that. And this is, this will be episode 150, uh, for us. And I, I think there is just, it's a good reminder that so much of what we do, and I think so much of what ultimately makes something successful is just continuing to show up. That once you've gotten through the initial period where you're kind of seeing if something has legs, it's just continuing to push at it and work at it, um, not take it for granted, you know, find ways to make it new and fresh. Uh, and this is something that I think I see in you know in in the evolution of the accidental tech podcast is interesting because I know I've been listening from the beginning because I was one of the handful of neutral listeners nice um, before it uh, turned into the accidental tech podcast and it has changed like the format has changed you've adapted you do things like ask ATP now which I think is a great way to inject some kind of like freshness and diversity into the topics. Um, and just in, and even just the roles within the show is like a changes in adapt and, and, uh, changes in adapts, which I think is just an important lesson, um, to be learned. And, you know, I, I have no, I have no idea if this show will ever get to 300, but I think I, it's quite, I'm glad that we were able to get to 150. Yeah. Thanks. And, and congratulations to us as well Yay. for hitting 150. We might as well congratulate ourselves, uh, because it's a podcast. We're the only ones here. And so, uh, yeah, thank you very much. Um, I, I think there are lessons to be learned here as well, like lessons to to teach others. Um, you know, doing anything every single week for six years uh, is not easy. Doing everything every single week for six months is not easy. Um, there are ways to set it up so that it's easier on you. There are ways to make it more sustainable or more challenging. And, you know, when it comes to what we usually talk about, like indie development, our time is very limited our resources are usually more limited than a big company would be. Um, but mostly our time is, is what it is. 
And we also need to do things like, uh, you know, plan for or, or allow for breaks and, you know, things like vacations and, you know, having some slack in the schedule or some slack in, in our obligations so that like if family obligations come up or some unexpected health problem comes up or something like that, that we have, we have slack in the schedule for that. And there are, you know, certain obligations you sign yourself up for uh, can be easier or harder to work into an indie life. We're lucky in in that podcasting the way we do, you know, where it's it's not scripted. You know, we work basically off of an outline of things we want to talk about, but for the most part, it's not scripted. And this applies to both a, to, to both uh, ATP and Under the Radar. Um, you know, we're basically like you know bullet points are what we prepare, and that's about it. And the rest is kind of off the cuff or just you know recalling stories or tips from our own experience or just BSing about something that we think <laughs> that, you know that we have opinions on, um, but that kind of like it's it's fairly low on the prep and then you're talking for the time of the show and then there's some editing time afterwards and that's about it and it's fairly easy to fit a you know one to three hour commitment per week or you know even if you do like a lot of editing like i do on atp you know that's maybe a, a six hour commitment every week but that's also a big part of my job but like it's that like the what what you get out of it for such a small commitment of time is a pretty good ratio it's a pretty good like you know return on investment time wise there's a lot of things you can sign up for to do every week that aren't so much a good return on investment or that need a lot more of your time and i think it's important for indies to really judge harshly when it comes to what is a good use of your time for things that are recurring you know if it's one thing like if you want to go off on an, on an experiment that's like a one-off thing or an exploratory thing where you're like, okay, let me try, you know, building some crazy algorithm. Uh, like what I'm, what I'm doing with voice boost too. Now, like I have been on this crazy audio coding odyssey for the last probably two months or so, or, one, or at least one month, uh, working on voice boost too and getting all sorts of audio processing stuff, uh, down and, and, and really experimenting with it and, you know, trying to trying to do really sophisticated stuff if I can, and all of that is a huge use of time. If I w- if this was like what I was doing every week, I would say it's probably not a good use of my time. But it's okay to invest that kind of like as a one off thing, as an exploratory thing, or like a, a large investment in what might be a major feature. Whereas, if I'm looking at something that's going to recur every week for the indefinite future, something like starting a podcast, starting a video series, committing to like a writing gig once a week or something like that, right? Where, where you're, you're really committed every week that I would look at much more harshly to see like, is this really worth this time every week? Like what, what is this going to cost me time wise? Possibly what am I going to have to stop doing to make time for this? Uh, that I think you have to look at very harshly with ATP. It's, it's, it works out well, you know, like the, the ratios work podcast in general, like are, are fairly good returns on investment for how much effort and time they take to produce versus how much value you get out of them. Things that are lower on that list are things like giving conference talks, you know, like that's way more work for, I think way less benefit most of the time. Um, and I think it's important as an indie to, to find that balance between those extremes and and to really think hard about how you're going to allocate your time for recurring indefinite commitments. Yeah, and I think too there is something to be said for just being being circumspect when you start something about 
what it's going to cost you. Um, like one of the things we always, I try, like we try and say in my household is whenever you say, saying yes to something is always saying no to something else. Um, and I think often it's the, it's easy to want to say yes to something because it is in, it is in and of itself appealing. Um, but it is often hard to, uh, actually conceptualize what you're saying no to by saying yes to that thing. Um, and I think in sort of intrinsic in what you're saying is the sense that your time is precious, make sure that you are spending it appropriately. And like, if you find something where you can find that great combination of, you know, sort of good value for whatever that means to you, whether that's financial or in terms of reputation or in terms of other things, um, that like that there's a balance between the effort um, that it takes. And I think especially in the ongoing basis side, it's something that you have to be very mindful of. And I mean, reminded and slightly of um, early before we, I did under the radar, I did a show called developing perspective, which was um, just me for 15 minutes. And what I found with that show, when I started it, I tried to, I did it as a weekly thing. Or actually the first month I did it as a daily thing, but that was for a different reason. But what I re- what I very quickly found was that, and like the purpose of this show was not financial. There's no ads on it ever. It was entirely, um, I guess, reputation oriented that my goal was to try and raise my profile in the developer community by you know, having a podcast, having a thing that I was talking about. And what I found, though, is, is it worked well when I changed it to the two. I did it whenever it made sense for me to do it. And it was also why it had a 15-minute time limit, is that it was very easy for me to just sit down, record for 15 minutes, do a few rough edits, and then post it. And it, you know, the whole process maybe was 20 or 30 minutes, and I would do it whenever it made sense. And that was a good way for me to balance that. So rather than committing to some kind of hard, harsh schedule that I feel bad about or I'm setting an expectation for an audience or for other people to expect of me, it was just like, it comes when, you know, whenever, whenever I have something to say, I will say it. Um, and I found that that worked well for finding that balance. But it's like being circumspect about, is this really, is it a good use of your time? And if it is, then like you can stick with something. And if you stay at it, you know, things can last a very long time. Like it's kind of amazing, you know, that, it, that you know, you've been doing ATP for 60 years. Like that is, you know, like that, that is an entire, it's like essentially like that is entire one of my children's life um, is you know, encapsulated in that. And that is, you know, remarkable in a really kind of cool way. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is crazy. Like to me, like thinking about like, you know, when I started the show, you know, my son was like one or zero and, you know, Casey didn't even have children yet. Like there's like entire lives that are started, that have been started with, you know, within this show. Um, although John was still writing Pearl, sure, but (laughs) Pearl is forever. Yeah. (laughs) But like, you know, and and I think it, there is some value to this, like of the idea of like whether something is a like weekly commitment or you know like a, a certain like recurring commitment, or whether it's more flexible. Like, you know, when we when we do the way we do podcasts, this isn't how everybody has to do it, but the way that that we do ATP and the way we do this show is we do a show every single week, or rather, we do a show for every single week we don't necessarily record it during that week like if we're going on vacation we can double up the week before and then just release the second one during that week or something but for the most part like you know we're doing a show almost every week and same thing with atp and and i think there is there is a lot of value to that for sure um especially in things like podcasts where you do want to like slowly build an audience over time and podcast audiences tend to reward regularity people like that um but 
if you do something the way you did developing perspective, where, you know, as you were saying, like you basically just did it whenever you could or whenever you felt like doing it, like there's room for that too. Like, cause the weekly commitment thing is such a like firm, hard deadline. It's it like, it's unforgiving. Like no matter what's going on in your life, you have to do that show on this day. Like it's, it's a fixed block. And that again, time wise, that can be very expensive, but when you move something to however you feel like it, the bar for like how much reward do I need to get out of this gets much lower. Like, you know, so you, you mentioned with developing perspective, like you didn't, you didn't ever run ads on that show. Like it was not a financial thing. It was for other reasons for, you know, audience building, reputation building, and, you know, personal development, professional development. There's, you should be doing things like that too when possible or or when you have like, you know, the the inspiration to do it. But it's important to then, give that like the the time budget that it is worth rather than rather than get saying like oh i'm gonna do this every week i'm gonna do this you know, like i'm gonna guarantee this thing because then th- then that isn't sustainable like if you commit to a weekly thing that takes a good amount of time or any amount of time but then also has no direct business reward for you or no direct upside for you or at least maybe has a, only a very slowly building one that's going to be like in it, within a month or two, you're going to stop doing that thing. Like you're, you're going to burn out. You're going to, you're going to flake out or, or just fail or realize it's not worth it and just stop. Whereas if you, if you align like the time budget and importance budget with the upside to it, it might actually make it more sustainable over time. Like you did developing perspective for what, like two or three years at least. It was a, it was a long time, yeah. It was at least three. I think it was three or four years. Yeah, like, like, you, like you, you had it for a while, and there were some times where you go like a couple of weeks without without an episode, but you, then the show would come back and you keep going. And if you were committed to doing it every single week, I bet at some point during that run you would say, "I can't do this anymore," and you would have, you would have just stopped. Yeah, no, I, I think that's that, that, that is very accurate. Um, yeah, it looks like I did. I think two hundred and twenty six episodes. Um, of the show from 2015 starting in 2011 yeah exactly and so like that's why i like it's super important to 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 align what you're giving something for time wise and what you're allowing it to be obligation wise align that with the reward you're getting from it because then when challenges come up on your time or when other needs come up and you have to then stop doing it it's not the end of the world. You're not going to like fall out of it. You're not going to like, you know, fall off the wagon or get on the wagon. I, I never get that metaphor, right? Whatever it is about the wagons. And, uh, and like, like it's not going to be like, oh, well, it's out the window now. Might as well stop doing it. Um, see also, you know, exercise and activity rings. Uh, but anyway, um, and, you know, I, like I'm doing a similar thing with my YouTube videos now where I'm experimenting with YouTube videos very rarely. It's a large time investment to get a video out for me i'm reducing that over time with you know both you know getting a little bit better at things learning what not to do getting a little bit better equipment or having like a more permanent setup like that's that those things all make all lower that uh that bar and and make it easier to put out a video and make it take less time but it still takes way more time to make a video than it does make a podcast and anything else i do and the videos at the moment have no direct monetization so the upside is not there really and but the reason I want to do those videos is I want to build up something over on YouTube. I want to expand my audience and I want to build an audience there as well. And that has immense value but has a very slow ramp over time. 
And so I have to like, I have to really be careful with how I budget my time for that because at the moment, pouring a bunch of time and effort into my YouTube videos is not a good use of my time. I have to, I, you know, I have to do my podcast every week because that's a big part of my business and my income and my audience. And then I also have Overcast and I can't ignore Overcast. I have to keep working on that as well. And so I have to keep the videos kind of as a side project, both time and commitment wise, because right now they are one. But maybe over time that changes, but that's probably going to be a while out. Yeah. And I think too, there's an element I find in so many things of it's separating something from something that is like your vocation, that is something that you are doing for income to sustain yourself and to support yourself. And the pressure and expectations on that are very specific versus something that you're doing for enrichment. And like for you, like I've dabbled in making YouTube videos myself. And it's like, I am glad of the experience because I developed a skill that has come in handy other times or has helped me to think about problems in a different way. Or, you know, like I have, when all of a sudden they, they allowed us to do app previews, like being able to know how to make a video was useful. Um, oh, but yeah. it's very, it's like <laughs> app previews. I should probably do previews. one of those. Eventually. I mean, people like them, I hear. Um, but anyway, it's like viewing something as enrichment and like separating it as, you know, like, is it, is this my vocation or is this enrichment? And being like honest with yourself about that, that are you really starting this thing with the expectation that this is going to be a substantial and important part of your business? Or is this something you're doing to grow, to have fun, to experiment, like those types of things? And it's enrichment, in which case, have a different set of expectations. We are brought to you this week by Linode. Linode gives you access to a suite of powerful hosting options with pricing starting at just $5 a month. You can be up and running with your own virtual server in the Linode cloud in under a minute. Whether you're just getting started with your first server or you're deploying a more complex system like what Dave and I run, Linode is the right choice for you. They have the fastest hardware and network and they have fantastic customer support behind it all if you need anything. It has never been easier to launch a Linode cloud server. With their support, with their documentation, with their tutorials, it's just fantastic. It's so easy. If you think, oh, I don't know if I can run a Linode server, trust me, try it. I bet you can. They also guarantee 99.9% uptime for your server availability. Once your server is up, they intend to keep it that way. And they have all sorts of wonderful features like block storage is a new one that's now available. They have load balancers, managed backups, and you can do all sorts of stuff with Linode. You can host large databases, run mail servers, run VPNs or Docker containers or private Git servers, and so much more. They're also hiring right now. If that interests you, go to linode.com slash careers. So check out Linode with their fantastic pricing options. They have one gig of RAM plans starting at just $5 a month. And of course, they have lots of other plans higher than that if your needs are higher, including high memory plans. So listeners of the show can get Linode, go to linode.com slash radar. That will support us and that'll get you $20 towards any Linode plan. So on that $5 a month plan, that could be four months for free. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, there's nothing to lose. So go to linode.com slash radar to learn more and sign up and take advantage of that $20 credit or use promo code radar2018 at checkout. Thank you so much to Linode for supporting this show and Relay FM. So to round out um, this episode, I thought it would just be a good time to touch briefly kind of, I guess, to an, an update on uh, device and iOS and watchOS adoption. Um, 
it's been long enough now since watchOS 5, iOS 12, the new iPhones, and uh, new iPads even. Everything is sort of like out in the world now. Uh, and I'm able to kind of see in my own stats what's going on there. And I think it's it's interesting to discuss and then also probably just to you know, just set a bit of expectations for what might happen um, coming into this Christmas season. Um, so broadly, I think it's good. To, and this is, you know, these are the, the stats that I see um, in my own apps. Um, you know, your apps will be different. Every app is, you know, ha- is very unique depending on its user. It's, you know, is it a general purpose tool? Is it a specialized tool for developers? Like you're going to see wildly different stats. But I think broadly, um, you know, there, there's lessons to be learned either way. Um, so broadly, I see um, iOS 12 um, adoption has been just as good as iOS 11 is for the most part. Um, it's for me, it's sitting right around 80% uh, for, um, you know, if, for my overall number, which is, you know, is very good for two months later, I would say. Um, it's a little bit lower in a couple of my other apps, but, you know, 70 to 80% seems to be um, very consistent, um, you know, in terms of the overall adoption. Um, watchOS adoption has been equally pretty good. Um, it's a bit more complicated with watchOS adoption because there's sort of kind of two numbers that are interesting. There's the people who've adopted um, watchOS 5 who have a you know a series one watch and newer. And then there's the overall number that kind of takes into account the fact that series zero users are never going to update. Um, so my overall number um, for like people who can do uh, watchOS five is about eighty five percent, which is you know very good. That's really good. Um, if I, it's like if I adjust it for people who have a series one wa- series zero watches, and so will never update, uh, it goes to about seventy four percent for me. So, which is also pretty good. Yeah. Um. Obviously, like watch series zero adoption is getting lower and lower every day. Um. Which is you know obviously what is driving that. But that you know that whatever the per- overall percentage of the people who are still using series zero watches are never going to update. So. You know, for me right now, that's about 14%. So like that, you know, 14% of people are never going to update. So that's just kind of going to be stuck there until that number goes down. I would imagine too, like this is probably a really good time for watch upgrades for people because you have Black Friday in a couple days that the watches are already on sale. They're going to be more on sale over the, over the coming weekend. And so you're going to have a lot of people buying them for themselves. And then you're probably also going to have a lot of people buying watches as gifts during the holidays for people because it's it's a pretty good like adult gift object. Like it's you know it's not insanely expensive for adults. It's not tied to a cellular contract or a two year upgrade cycle like like phones or anything like that. And way more affordable than like an iPad. And so I, they probably make pretty frequent gifts. Do you see like a big uptick in the holidays in the past for like you know watch upgrades or adoption? Yes. I mean, it, it, there is a clear jump on Christmas Day. Like it is it is a <laughs> almost like I don't see as much of one in the run up to Christmas. Like, I mean, there's maybe a slight like in change in inflection of like the slope of the adoption curve. Um, but Christmas Day, like for last year, the Series 3 watch um, like, I mean, and I, I do all my kind of this, this kind of analysis as proportionate to the others, but like the series three watch went from about, uh, 20% the day before Christmas, like 20% of my users were using series three watches to the box on boxing day. It was 28%. You know? Oh my so God. Yeah. That's it's, <laughs> like, it's a very steep just jump in terms of adoption. And I think, um, like I would expect the same thing to happen, um, with the series 
Series 4 watches um, this year. I mean, honestly, probably more more interesting t- in, in a lot of ways is how impressive the Series 4 adoption has been. Um, the Series 4 watch at this point is almost the... So it's it's eighteen percent overall um, of my of my users users are using a Series Four watch, um, which is basically in line with the series the Series Two. Like the Series Three is the only one that's better, but you know, in a couple of months, it's almost the second most widely used device. Um, that's which is, really impressive for such a short like, time. Yeah, like it, it seems like the Series Four watch is doing really well, which in some ways is in contrast to I, like on the iPhone side, the um, the 10s, uh, 10s Max, and 10R, um, I've seen overall like a bit slower adoption. Like they're, they're it's they're doing well. Like it's not like they're like you know I'm having you know piddling along at zero point one percent of users or anything like that. Like they're doing reasonably. You hear that nine to five Mac? This is not yeah. a news story. <laughs> Please don't make it one. No, but they're not as crushing. Like the iPhone 10 when it came out was like zooming up. Like it did, it, its initial ramp, I think, was super steep. Whereas, you know, the iPhone, um, like the 10s, 10s Max, and 10R seem to have just kind of the normal, kind of just like slow, slow build over time. Out of curiosity, um, if you, if you sum them, does that, cause like now, like we have more options than we had. Like last year, if you wanted to get the flagship, you got the 10. Like now there's mm-hmm. kind of three or two and a half flagships. Like if you, if you, if you look at their sum, does it look any better? Um, it, Sort of. I'm just. I'm just kind of eyeballing it on the on a ch- the chart I'm looking at, and I think the thing, of course, last year was the the iPhone 8 was actually really popular. Oh, really? Um, and it launched before the iPhone 10, and so like the iPhone 8 um, is in in my usership is is, is the fourth most popular phone, um, and is basically the same as the iPhone 10. They're both around nine percent of my users, um, and so like those. Like those kind of, I think in a weird way, like in the tech circle, people maybe would think of the iPhone 10 as a, um, like as a lesser phone or like it, you know, like it's not, the, it's not the one that we would, we, we talked much about last year, perhaps. The eight, um, but in practice, like it did very well. There's a ton of those, um, out in the world. Um, and you know, is, I would expect it'll be around, you know, it, for a long time yet too. Interesting. Um, and I think honestly, too, on the interesting note on the iPhone um, eight uh, is that it's it's ad- I haven't seen a big replacement rate for that yet. So like when the ten came out, the like or sorry when the ten S came out, the usership of the ten dropped um, and has been co- going down slowly. Like in terms of there's kind of I mean this, this is always kind of just like you kind of look at it and kind of guess, but it kind of looks that like. The people who are getting the 10s, a lot of them had 10s, and there's that kind of that sense of the early adopter, always going to have the latest phone kind of people. Whereas the eight is just kind of slowly and like sort of slow and steady, um, kind of on its on its path that isn't as affected by the launch of new phones, which is kind of consistent, I think, with its it's the long update cycle. It's the typical user. Um, it's that type of a person um, that is likely. Um, is like is likely updating with it. So you know, these are just kind of like interesting things that I'm seeing um, that I want, I want that I think are kind of worthwhile sharing. Just because not everyone has access to kind of you know a, 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 a user user base wide enough that um, you know you can draw actual sort of inferences from it. It's it's, it's, it's interesting too. Like like when I uh, was running Instapaper, 
Christmas was always really big for me for the first couple of years um, because newspaper business, like the, the app sales were really, really strong whenever people were likely to buy new iPads. And, and so iPad launch day and Christmas day were my two biggest launch days of the year for the first few years. But what was interesting is that it actually tailed off that like it, like in the later years of when I, when I owned it, it was much less of an effect because it was a paid up front app. And so you can only buy one per Apple ID. And there was like, it was increasingly like as the years went on more and more of the iPads that would be unwrapped on Christmas day or whatever, or on launch day were upgrades as opposed to people who were getting their very first iPad. So the upgrades were not getting me any, any additional sales. I wonder like, I mean, that's going to be true of pretty much every Apple product at this point. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think the, the only one that this seems to kind of be slightly, um, yeah, it's like, it's like the watch I think still has a lot of new d- adoption going on. Yeah. Um, just because I think so like my overall like watch adoption rate is still only like 14%. So like, and obviously this is for a health and fitness oriented app. This is, you know, pedometer plus plus. So maybe that's probably skewed slightly high maybe and that's but, about what i have although i i also skew like power user so who knows sure but like you know it, it, there's still the you know 85 percent of people who don't have a watch period so like there's a tremendous opening there whereas uh, you know the number of people who are buying I- iphones for the first time is probably much lower yeah all right well thanks for listening everybody and we'll talk to you next week all right happy thanksgiving yeah, happy thanksgiving